0: Welcome to MDA Insights, the podcast where we bring you the latest in training and development trends straight from the experts at MDA Training. podcast of MDA Insights will bring a fresh perspective on the topical L&D issues of the day. So whether you're an HR manager, in L&D, talent or recruitment, or just someone who's curious about the latest trends in training and development, MDA
1: Insights is the podcast for you. I'm your host for today, Oz Hussein, and today we're going to be talking about career development in the digital age how technology is changing the way early careers professionals develop their careers and the new tools and resources available for career development. I'm delighted to be co-hosting today's show with my dear colleague, Paul Hewitt. Paul, how are you today, sir? Ozzy, I am doing very well and thank you so much for calling me
0: dear, uh, because that's not (laughs) in which we talk to each other. Oz, our special guest joining us today is Aswini Bijaj. CEO of Leverage Growth, guest lecturer, finance trainer, corporate coach, and a series of letters after his name that really most people would die for. Uh, More to the point, Sweeney, I think, uh, looking at it, you were the best finance trainer in India just a couple of years ago. So, no doubt we'll talk about that kind of coming up in a second. But for now, great to meet you. Very warm welcome from Oz and myself. And so, just say a couple of words about yourself, please, to the listener in terms of who you are, where you come from, uh, and so on. Uh, so, dear Paul and Oz, it's absolutely a pleasure
2: to be a part of your uh, podcast. And uh, I think we're going to have fun uh, recording this, talking to the audience. Uh, so, I started my career in 2012. That is when I completed uh, my graduation and went on to complete CA. So I'll just briefly go uh, go through the letters with you. Uh, so, CA, CS, CFA, FRM, CAIA, CIPM, RE, CFP, CCRA, CIRA, CIIB, and AIM.
0: Hang on, so, just one second. Um, one second, uh, <laughs> <sweetie>. <laughs> Did you have to read those out, or have you learned every single one of those just to I impress? have a method of. I have a method of learning them. <laughs> so I've got like groups of three and four
2: together, which I can remember. So I started. Specializing in finance and went on getting into it because I was enjoying it thoroughly and I started teaching in fact I've completed around 80-85 colleges by now and hope to uh, strike a century by this academic year Uh, guest lecturing at these many colleges and In fact, recently we just did an international uh, book of records uh, entry for training the maximum number of people for personal finance in a single day So I had my name entered in that international book of records. So that was something exciting and uh, along with that i've been consulting over the last six years just the way b school professors you know uh, they consult and uh, work with companies in their area of expertise Uh, similarly along with teaching so uh, i started that Uh, i always uh, say that i'm a teacher first and everything else next and uh, that's 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 all about me
1: ashwini do you find time to to sleep (laughs) of course You know, what do you you allocate today? If you've got a pie chart, what do you allocate for sleep? Like three hours? It seems like you do a lot. So time management must be a real skill of yours.
2: No, I always make sure that I'm sleeping seven to seven and a half hours, only except if I'm traveling. But otherwise, I have a good seven, seven and a half hours sleep. And yes, time management is something that I've been working on rigorously over these years. And the team, my entire team has been extremely helpful in terms of
1: you know, uh, for me to be able to do as many things as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to today's uh, subject, you know, like yourself, we've worked with, you know, thousands of students over the years, you know, albeit in early careers in, in, in students joining a financial institution in particular. And we've seen the evolution of training, you know, being from classroom to technology. And now we're going into this kind of hybrid kind of format, you know, what, would you, what, what, what trends are you have you been seeing of recent? So, uh, COVID
2: has been a game changer. There's there's no doubt about it. So, for example, when companies like Uber and Ola had to spend millions of dollars in terms of making the consumer change their behavior permanently. So, we used to have, you know, what they call those yellow cabs in, in India, uh, pre-Ola Uber days. And today they've changed the industry and they had to spend millions of dollars for it but covid has been a kind of a trigger point i would say or a turning point uh, in terms of changing consumer behavior particularly
0: when we're looking at the learning and development space uh, so people have been forced to do it i, I just want to pick up on one thing because when you first introduced yourself you said i'm a teacher first yeah yes. and that teacher relationship that there is within a classroom the yes. trainer uh, and the yes. attendee or the delicate it's very much a combination of transfer of understanding but relationship uh, and you you talk about a uh, teach first so moving digitally moving online how do we both maintain that relationship between the trainer uh and the and the participant or the delegate and and what what's the shift in emphasis for both the trainer needs to be more than just a you know a, a, you know an individual who can basically see smell and hear everyone, but equally the participant, the learner, has to rethink in terms of how they learn. Uh, it's it's actually a very
2: interesting uh, question to ponder upon, and uh, of course, post COVID, everybody has been trying to you know get the right balance and right mix about it. Uh, from where I look at it. I think the onus on the participants is way more as compared to the trainer in this case. The reason why, because for the trainer, it is a one-to-many. So you have a huge audience to cater to. You have a good number of participants and students to look at. And you have to make sure that uh, you're taking care of them, uh, you know, really very, very well. But when it comes to the students, the participants, and since I cater to students who are at least graduating or postgraduate, so that is that is a maturity level with which I'm dealing with. So uh, they have to kind of earn the trainer's time now. So if somebody, for example, if I'm asking somebody to read a book during a class, if I'm asking them to do some certain XYZ things in order to improve them. So along with whatever topic is there, we of course, you know, have a discussion, we try to add as much value as possible with our experience. The participant needs to get back to us stating he or she has done so and so, has followed so and so and then automatically a trainer kind of becomes obliged to take care of that said participant. Because so yes, so I think the onus
0: is much more on the participant. And is that Is that explained? Sorry, let me just pick up on that. Do do, do participants know that? Because quite often, a a participant will sit online looking at a screen in the same as they watch a television. And with a television, it's one-way traffic. But in a training module, there is a two-way dialogue, and the, the participant, the delegate, has to appreciate and know that. So that's a challenge in the sense
2: that when we're meeting a participant in person, Of course, the body language is there, you have a direct contact and maybe before or after the sessions you can have a relatively informal conversation. But when we are looking at an online kind of a mode of communication with the participant, in that case, the participant has to use WhatsApp etc. tools in order to communicate. The advantage could be that they can communicate whenever they are free and I can get back to them whenever I'm able to respond. But at the same time, the onus to take an initiative. For example, there's a student of mine who will read maybe a 50, 70, 80 articles and send me one or two, which is going to be worth my time. So obviously, I am going to read whatever that kid sends me. But for that, you have to be very professional as well as respectful to the trainer's time and communicate with them in that way. Because even the kids are adding value as in the students, the participants are adding value to me, right? Because as a teacher as well, I want to learn more because my learning curve goes probably down because I'm the one training. There's, there's less of absorption and more of giving out. So if there is somebody who's sharing their experience in their profile along with the training that's going on, I mean, I'm very interested to know about it. Yeah. because I, he is working 12 hours in a profile or eight hours in a profile on a daily basis. I am not, but I get to you know experience his uh, feedback, his outcome, his experience is something that I get to experience as well. So I would want to hear provided they're communicating in that in that
1: way. And it, Ashwani, as, as training it seems to evolve again, we're going to that next phase where things are becoming much more self-directed, where there's maybe not even an interaction with a, with a teacher or a facilitator. You know, you're gonna lose what you just said there again, where there's, where there's absolutely no interaction. You just study, you learn, you get your points, you get your, your, your accreditation, whatever it may be. What can be done in the next generation of kind of training that's sort of hitting the market now, where it's, it tends to be just online? there's no interaction with a human at all possibly even with ai i don't like where it's going i don't like where training is going sometimes It, it, it fills me with dread we're losing that personal interaction i would want to
2: have a certain level of interaction always with the participants it is possible that the interaction may not be with regards to the exact question pertaining to the training because that could be a that could be exhaustively covered through the training but when it comes to the application of that training for the specific participant based on their role because ultimately you are interacting with human beings so the participant may be interacting with just a screen but the screen is interacting with human beings right yeah so i would still want to have that human element present the quantum of interaction might go down but at the same time the quantum of very specific or personal interaction might go on. So something which is a very stereotypical part of the training might be taken care of through the video or through the training, through the screen. But something which is very person-specific could still be taken up in an in-person mode with, with the
0: participants. I would not want to lose the human element completely and and that i think cuz one of the questions i was going to ask is what 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 gets lost when we move to an increasingly digital training environment and and the way you've described it is that is that human interaction the human to human conversation the almost water cooler moment type thing just while i'm here let's talk about that as opposed to watching a screen and just just seeing knowledge transfer coming through so the knowledge transfer is taken
2: care of through the digital medium, but the conversation, the community, that aspect would still remain to be on an in-person mode. And maybe because of the training being done digitally, the participants having so much access digitally, it makes it easy for them to be able to access, and, uh, access the material, do the training whenever they have time. But the trainers can probably spend more time in terms of the community building aspect in that case, because even they will have to probably take less in-person lectures.
0: I like that. So, so the, the training ceases to be what you need to know more to how you need to behave knowing what you know. What you need to know, you can, you can look at online beforehand. How you need to handle what you know and how you need to behave comes to the fore. Is that, is that right? Something, something around that.
1: As really, you, you're obviously in your, your company, Leverage Growth, you've got a few elements of uh, assets to your business, you know, advisory, consulting, training, L&D, you know, wide, wide mix. On the consulting side of it, what innovations are you seeing coming in in the technology space, in LD in particular? So actually, when we are working with the
2: clients, we're working less on the technology side, and we're working more on the application of technology, if I could call it, yep. uh, it wouldn't exactly be implementation of technology but, for example, if I were to put together an LND uh tool for an organization, so how would I want the flow to be? How would it, how would that screen, as you said, interact with the human beings in the best possible way? So, in order to have the screen interact with the human beings as well, you would need a very good understanding of of the audience, of the trainer, the company or the client that you're working for. And and that's where we come in. So how would I, for example, put together a finance simulation platform to be built for the trainees, let's say. So in that case, I would need to understand how the training is to be done, how it has to be executed. The technology part can be taken care of but that's only a medium.
1: But what to train, how to go about it, that is going to be absolutely human. So what you are saying really is that the tried and tested formulas that we, as a company, that we've been practicing for thirty-five years, they stay the same. It's just the medium that keeps evolving and changing, and, and, and bringing in the right technology to deliver what the client may need. You know, we have yes. that process where we work in partnership with a client. We understand their their needs, and we put together the right solution. We're not going to push technology for technology's sake. Yes.
2: Yes, so there has been challenges with regards to over digitalization as well. Absolutely, because even though the medium is digital technology, but the participants are still human beings. Yeah. Everybody talks about the lack of human interaction, but in order to change that, one has to go for human interaction. Yeah. Of course, there are challenges in terms of people are relatively lazier in terms of you know stepping out of their houses in order to attend a training maybe. At times, it is very cost-effective for the organizations also to conduct a training for their employees all across the world and accessible at their own convenient times. So yes, it does take care of the cost, time, efficiency aspect when we use a digital tool. So uh, maybe the proportion of digital goes up, but there should be a human element. And even the proportion of digital that is going up, the way and the mode of communicating it digitally should be in a way wherein it's more human for the person who's actually attending the training yeah so one has to think from the point of view of the participants while designing your digital tool
0: and and technology advancement for technology's sake i'm thinking back to 3d televisions a few years ago that kind of came in they were a fad and then they kind of disappeared We're dealing yes. with some clients who are interested in VR headsets within the, the virtual training room. I'm not 100% sure how that technology will necessarily enhance learning. It will be a gimmick. But is that kind of where you also see the future? It, it, technology isn't there as an end in itself. It's a means to an end, which is ultimately that human-to-human interaction.
2: So uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take an example over here. So for example, if I am looking at... Maybe I'm looking at a very large scale transaction with, let's say, a founder who is going to be investing in my company, let's say, or my client's company. So maybe the first couple of interactions could be over a Zoom, over a, a VR technology or whatever it is. But if I were to sign something up, I would want to meet the person in person. So maybe the number of interactions which have to be in person could be cut down. Or maybe that might be delayed to a later stage but for the very beginning stages you might be able to use that kind of technology so even with regards to the training so depending on the kind of training you're doing it could be possible that a certain level of training could be more digitized and there could be certain levels of training which could could be more person specific
0: ultimately it still comes down to a handshake doesn't it and there is no such thing as a digital handshake it has to be there in person to really get to know yes yes absolutely that's that's
1: uh, maybe my old school thought process talking, but... Uh, but uh, that's, good uh, news. that's good news for, for us. Ashmeen, <laughs> as we say, you know, we've been in existence as a company MDA training, you know, longer than you've been alive. And we started business in that kind of format, handshake. And I'm glad to hear it's still about a handshake. Um, taking something that you said on LinkedIn, which uh, it resonated with myself, certainly, where you say, you know, invest in yourself, beware of yourself too i loved it tell me a little bit more about that
2: uh so uh invest in yourself is something that we actually ended up trademarking uh i think five or six or four or five years back and we're building in a platform around it and there is a lot of scope uh so when i visit uh, these uh, uh tier two tier three towns and cities in india uh, there's so much potential but there is somewhere a lack of guidance i would say or a lack of uh, the right direction mentoring uh, for the students for the people but there's so much potential and that's that's where the invest in yourself platform as an idea came up which we are working on but uh, invest in yourself is a hashtag i've been using for a good number of years and uh, I, i i truly believe in it because my entire career my entire life has been based on exactly uh, how i have tried my level best to invest in myself to value my time since we started the podcast with uh, a reference to the time management aspect so yes valued time quite 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 uh, extensively yeah. and, uh, and 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 uh, beware because as i have so when i entered into education into training space i thought it was going to be an absolutely very uh, not easy but a very clean straightforward job to do but as we move forward in our career with more interactions with a better understanding of how things are in the industry one understands that there's a lot
1: that one needs to be aware of yeah Oh, you can learn a lot from that, that I, I, I think don't... beware of buying 3D TVs you know, you must have at least you must have at least uh, you know two three D. I, I have a couple
0: in my shed, um, and that is fine. <laughs> they were fads, and and that was fine. Um, uh, Ashwini, the I mean that that message, you know, if you look after yourself first and foremost, actually, so many other things look after themselves on their own right. Understanding of self will give you a better understanding of others and a better understanding of some of the the the, the, the changes that need to happen. How? as we approach the end of our podcast how can we link that idea of of a genuine understanding of self with a with with a with a at the start of an early career the start of an early professional career in banking or finance um which means that i'm resilient enough to handle the challenges of today but also aware and prepared enough to take on full flow the real opportunities, what are the challenges of tomorrow? Uh, So when we're talking about an early career professional
2: as you mentioned, so uh, you have to understand you cannot focus something 20 years, 30 years down the line. Mm. What we have to understand is what are we looking at in the next five years or so? Based on that, what is the best informed decision we can take based on today? That is one. Uh, Second, I would always look at applying my common sense. So whenever I interact with any participant, I tell them that, you know, uh, whatever your job profile is, whatever your role or your, your job is exactly, you should also know all the inputs that you're getting from different roles. So say, for example, if I'm working in a profile X and there are five different people sending me some data, I need to understand those five people, their roles and understand why and how that data is coming to me. And suppose I'm doing all some some work I'm doing in my profile, some processing, etc. And then how is my output going to be utilized by the next person? So one has to start understanding the processor and not just be a part of the process. So once you start having a more macro view of things, you will be able to, even if there is a new process to be implemented, some new process to be digitized or uh, automated, you are the person who's automating it or digitizing it. You're the person who's auditing it, checking it, improving it, making it more efficient. So you have to know the process and not be a part of the process. That's how I would look at it in, in the current scenario uh, in terms of you know being industry ready or being re- industry relevant 5 years, 10 years, 20 years down the line.
0: And it comes and back again. So say so it comes back again to the human touch, isn't it? A human yes.
1: context of other humans. You are part Absolutely. of a bigger whole. Yeah. And being Absolutely. curious, being curious to find out more and to network yes. people, to speak with people. It's simple, Absolutely. it's the same skill set that we've been preaching for years. No matter what technology is coming in, there's this there the foundation of skills that we just need, regardless. Right. Right. And so thirdly,
2: that's what I was coming to was that uh, one needs to be in a mental frame that one can learn at any and every age. So, for example, even today, so as to not go a bit dull, I am trying to converse with different sets of people in office in certain uh, regional languages as well. So that instead of three, I'm able to practice a couple of more languages uh, in order to keep my brain sharp. Or at times, I would like to pick up a book on a physics or a geography, which is absolutely different compared to my subject of study. And even history and uh, uh, spirituality and psychology and all. Uh, uh, Of course, rotating between these subjects alongside in order to keep my brain in a stage where it is comfortable learning and absorbing something that is new. So one has to keep practicing
1: that as well. Absolutely. And Ashwani... To be honest with you, you've got lots of qualifications. You need to add languages to that mix. To add to your <laughs> fifteen qualifications, you need to add languages that you've got to keep. You got next time we speak, we hope, I hope to see at least another four or five more on there. That. That, that was going to <laughs> Thank be. Thank you so much. That was going to be my point as well. I'm sure
0: in a few <laughs> months' time, you will be spending longer reciting another set of letters after your name. And in fact, I'm going to have to try and catch up with you at this point because it's a challenge. We've got to keep on learning. We've yeah, got to keep on absolutely. finding things exciting.
1: That's all for today's episode of MDA Insights. At MDA Training, we take a unique approach to training and development. We don't just focus on the theory, we focus on real-world application of that theory. We work with our clients to understand their specific needs and design experiential training solutions to meet those needs. But it's not just about the training. We work with our clients to help them achieve measurable results and create real behavior change in the workplace. We hope you found this information valuable from our podcast today. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with more insights and expert advice. Thanks for listening.